You're listening to Perry Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. You can find Perry online at perrynoble.com. Well, hello and welcome to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. Woo-hoo. My name is Shane. I'll be your host today for the August 2013 edition uh, of this podcast. Before we get into today's topic, I wanted to re- remind all of our listeners uh, of a couple of things coming up this fall that you do not want to miss, a couple of conferences uh, that we'll be doing. The first is called Unleash Your Children's and Student Ministry. This conference is on October the 24th. That's a Thursday. And we've only got about 200 spots left for that conference. And once it's full, it's full. We don't have overflow seating. We won't be able to broadcast this on the internet or anything like that. So we want to get you here. So make sure you check out unleash.cc for all the details on that. And then also coming up in November, November 12th through the 14th, we have another Unleashing Your Leadership Conference. This is a Leadership Coaching with Perry Noble. This is for all leaders at a church, uh, senior leaders, youth leaders, anybody that wants to grow in their leadership. It's open to you, and that's a Tuesday through Thursday, again, November the 12th through the 14th. And you can get all the information you need at unleash.cc. I should also add that that's limited to about 50 people. Uh, so you want to get in and get signed up for that right away. With that, Perry, we're going to jump into today's topic. And we're calling today's podcast, How to Lead During Times of Growth. And so over the last year, New Spring has experienced a lot of growth. Overall, I believe we're around 55% growth uh, this year over last year. And some of our campuses have actually seen growth at over 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've all been blown away by that. And we always plan for growth, but the numbers we've seen uh, this year far exceeded anything we've expected, which sounds like a great thing, and it is a great thing, but it comes with a lot of challenges. So that's what we want to talk about today. So as we jump into today's questions, uh, let me just ask you this. What would you attribute that kind of growth to? That is one of the most loaded questions in the world. Um, That's why I asked it. I know. It was awesome. Um, When a church or an organization experiences growth, one of the things often asked to the church leader is, hey, why are you growing? Well, the, the the church answer is God or or Jesus, and um, that if you step back and examine it at its core, is really sort of an arrogant answer. Because if that were the only answer, then why isn't every church growing? Um, you could you know to say that it's only God is basically telling other churches and other ministries we don't think God's in your. Um, church. We don't think God's in your ministry. And so while there's a partial truth there, there's not a complete answer. I believe it is God, but I believe God works through people who work. We we did a podcast on that several months ago, and I believe that um, if people will take God at his word um, and do their part, God is always faithful to do his part. You know, Shane, it's it's a biblical principle of sowing and reaping sowing and reaping. And God, God's word from Genesis to Revelation says you reap what you sow. And so I believe um, there's a bunch of people here at New Spring, and not just staff, but volunteers who have, you know, show up early, stay late, take God at his word. There's a bunch of people in our church that understand found people really do find people. They've embraced inviting their friends and family members to church. We work real hard to create an environment that doesn't um, push unchurched people away but pulls them in. They meet Jesus, and Jesus changes their life. And over the course of time, the law of sowing and reaping, um, it just takes place. That's real good. And, you know, one thing I want to point out, too, is we talked about New Spring 
uh, has experienced that kind of growth over the last year. We're going into a season, the fall season, where lots of churches experience growth. People yes. are coming back to church uh, when the kids get in school and summer's over and that sort of thing. So gro- uh, being able to lead well during growth is a big deal. Uh, and I just want to ask this, why does growing lead to leadership challenges? Well, you cannot – let me back off – You do not understand some of the challenges in your church or your ministry or your business until you begin to experience growth. Growth exposes challenges and opportunities. For example, um, I thought Lucretia, who is my wife, who's white, by the way, um, just for all of our podcast listeners who are wondering, um, I thought Lucretia and I had a great marriage. I mean, I really did. I thought it was stable. I thought it was awesome. But then our family grew by one. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's some gaps in our marriage. There's some challenges in our marriage. Um, saying that, I can't imagine you and your wife, y'all had four boys. I mean, I mean, and you know way better than I do, growth presents challenges, right? That's right. And so one of the most challenging things about an organization or, or a church is when you begin to grow, some of those challenges become very visible and leaders what they do instead of letting those challenges freak them out is they step in and they fix them they address them growth provides opportunities to fix the challenges so you can um, grow more one of the things i always loved about the book of nehemiah is the bible says that before nehemiah began to rebuild the wall that he spent some time walking around the wall and inspecting the wall and so during the times of growth we have a lot of times to inspect the wall fill the gaps, get the right people in the right places so it sets us up for the next season of growth. That's real good. So what you're saying is when you're experiencing growth, there are going to be gaps. But if you don't have to be surprised that there are gaps, if you're taking inventory, looking around, inspecting the walls, you can at least know what a next step would be uh, when you experience growth and you see those gaps. Yes, if you're not seeing gaps, you're not experiencing growth. Um, that's, that's a tweetable phrase. That, that is a tweetable <laughs> phrase right there. And, but it's true because, I mean, Shane, you know, as well as I do, we're in um, leadership meetings right now. And part of our job as leaders is to ha- cast vision. But in order to look forward to the future, we got to make sure the foundation is solid now. And the gaps that are exposed, God exposes gaps to leaders, not so they can just pray about it and not so they can complain about it but so they can fix it, so they can roll up their sleeves, get their hands dirty, and do whatever it takes to get the church ready to go to the next level. That's real good. Well, let's give our listeners a little inside peek to the challenges New Spring has been facing uh, as an organization. So what, what would you say are the couple of biggest challenges that we faced over this last year when we've experienced this type of growth? On a personal note, one of my biggest challenges is finding blue jeans that are long enough because I have very long legs. But on a... And that is true. I mean, uh, and I'm really... You're a special order kind of guy? I'm a special order kind of guy. I really am. (laughs) At restaurants and at clothing stores. (laughs) There you go. Um, I think one of the the biggest challenges for us has been how do you disciple um, large groups of people? And um, when I say disciple, I mean help people take their next steps. What does that look like practically? Because I think we get a picture in our minds of how pretty the early church was and as we read the Bible, the early church wasn't that pretty. I mean, Paul has to address the fact that Peter was still a racist at one point. Um, if the church was so awesome, then why did Paul have to write a letter saying, hey, you can't have a guy in the Corinthian church having sex with his stepmother? I mean, if the church was so pre- I mean, the church had 
major problems in Acts chapter 5. God killed somebody because they lied about the offering. I mean, you had all of these problems, and one of the major problems or the issues they had to deal with is when 120 people in Acts 2, um, went, the church went from 120 to 3,120 in a day. And so that presented challenges. It presented major challenges. We see another um, set of challenges in Acts chapter 6 when the Grecian Jews and the Hebraic Jews had some food problems mm-hmm. because all this growth was, was presenting challenges. And so the, the apostles and, and everybody stepped in, the leader stepped in, and they recruited some volunteers, and they, they helped make the growth, or they helped, once again, like I said in the last question, pave the way for the growth to continue. And I think one of the greatest challenges for us is how do we really meet these people where they are and teach them how to take practical next steps. Um, The second problem that we're having right now that we're just having to try to address as quick as possible is the leadership challenge. Uh, Because, you know, finding leaders, developing leaders, training up leaders, um, that is a that is a huge challenge for a growing organization because your organization can only grow, your church can only grow to the level of the leadership that you currently have. And so there's a point where you will stop growing if you don't have the leadership in place because why would God bless a church with growth that doesn't have the proper leadership in place? Because it would not be a blessing. It would be a curse because all of those people would um, fall by the wayside because they wouldn't have people that cared for them. Um, and the third issue, and this is in the church, we should do a whole podcast on this sometime, Shane, it just hit my mind, um, is a financial challenge. Mm-hmm. Because when you have large amounts of unchurched people coming, um, the last thing to get to a church and the first thing to leave is somebody's wallet. And so as you're reaching more and more people for Christ, um, there's a financial cost to it. Once again, I'll go with a baby illustration. Um, you know, when Karis was born, diapers, formula, you know, I don't have to tell you. Once again, you had four, I had one. Um, but kids cost money. People that meet Christ, it costs money to reach them, disciple them, develop them, have them involved in children's ministry, have them involved in student ministry. So those challenges are always going to be in front of a growing church. That's really good. I'll just add that your kids cost money when they're born, but when they start going to college, they cost a lot more money. Yeah, that's right. Uh, FYI. Uh, So you've just said, I love that you talked about how growth exposes gaps and then gaps are opportunities. And you just mentioned three. We, We saw gaps in next steps. We saw gaps in leadership and we saw gaps in uh finances and so we're taking steps to do that so whoever's out there listening you can ex- you can look at your church and say where are the gaps for us Perry I want to ask you this question in regards to just you personally as the senior leader in an organization um facing this kind of growth what kind what have some of the challenges that you've faced or some changes that you've had to make Every time growth happens change has to happen because if you stay the same you don't grow um, one of the major uh, news items this week in the news is uh, the Washington Post sold um, to the to basically to Amazon. And think about that: the newspaper organization um, in our country is dying. Um, and if you're a newspaper guy, please don't email me um, because your organization's dying. Uh, the internet changed the game, and so because. Um, so many newspapers thought that they were in the newspaper business and they didn't understand they were in the communication business or seeing them go out of business. Um, in, in church world, as the senior leader for me, um, I'm trying, one of the biggest challenges is 
what needs my attention? You know, what can I, what do I need to do? And then what do I need to delegate and managing that tension? Because that doesn't always look the same. There are some times that I need to delegate things um, and I may delegate them for six months or a year, but then I have to push the pause button on delegation and dive back into those things. And you got to watch it because some people will scream um, that the, one of the one of the things that a leader hates to hear, and one one of the things an insecure leader will always accuse their leader of. Let me say, often accuse their leader of is micromanagement, micromanagement, micromanagement. And usually, the micromanagement accusation comes from somebody who cannot handle authority or responsibility. And um, now I know there are some leaders out there that micromanage, but there are times where a leader has to step back in and say, hey, for a time, for a season, I'm going to get back involved in this process of decision-making. I'm going to have to try to understand what you're doing. Um, and, and trying to manage that tension as a leader during this growth season has been probably one of the most challenging things. Um, and then on a, on a personal note, just learning how to say no. Um, because as the, as the church grows, um, there's going to be more demands on a leader's time. And learning how to say no and letting your no mean no, um, that's, that, those are two of the biggest challenges I think that I've faced. You know, something you said there, Perry, I want to ask you just a follow-up question. Uh, there's some leaders who have delegated to the point where they are afraid to step in. Yes. But they sit back and are frustrated by something in their church or organization that they see that isn't working the way they would want it to but they just stay frustrated instead of stepping back into the details. How about uh, sharing with our with our listeners uh, some encouragement on why it's okay, even if you've delegated something away, and even if you trust the leader, that it's okay to step back in and get into the details to help, to ask questions, whatever whatever you would share with that, because I'm afraid some leaders, once they delegate it, they're afraid to step back in. Yeah, if you see something wrong and it bothers you as the leader and you don't step back in and correct it, Sooner or later, you're not going to be the leader anymore because somebody else is going to come along and identify that problem and then correct it. And then whether you are replaced at the table or not, you've been replaced in the minds of everyone that reports to that department or that, or that person in that, in that particular area. And so for, for me, I've just learned instead of being frustrated at a bunch of people because they're not hitting what I might perceive to be the bullseye on the target, I need to step back in. I need to have a hard conversation and either understand where they're coming from and why they're doing what they're doing or help recalibrate um, the direction that they're heading so we, I can make sure that the church is heading in the right direction. And so uh, leaders have to have tough conversations. And it is unfair for a leader to be frustrated with a person or a department when they are not willing to speak into what their frustration is. That's real good. Uh, let me ask you this. Going back to the three things you identified as gaps that we're facing, how about to pick one of those, whether it's next steps, or the leadership challenge, or the financial challenge, uh, some of uh, some things that we've done as an organization once we saw the gap, uh, some things we've done uh, to try to address it. Okay, so one of the things you got to do is when you hit a wall as far as things that are frustrating you or slowing you down, you got to begin to look outside of your um, way of thinking to figure out how to fix this problem. So if it's a discipleship thing, if it's a timing thing, for us a financial issue, I'll tell you what we did. Um, we reached out to uh, Casey Graham and givingrocket.com. 
Uh, Casey is a friend of mine and love him, love the ministry that him and um, Michael and all those guys have down there. I say down there because we're in Anderson and they're in Atlanta. So that's slightly south. south, slightly south. So down there. <laughs> um, but Casey's had that ministry for years and I've known about it. I've been aware of it. And I said, you know what? We've got some giving challenges. So um, we went online. Uh, we bought the givingrocket.com, you know, training package or whatever, you know, and literally I sat in my office and watched every video that Casey and Michael and those guys taught through. I took notes. Um, you we had the, all the leadership team watch them? Had the whole leadership team. Yeah, exactly. And we were like, oh, my gosh, we've never thought of that. We've never seen that. We've never understood that. I need to adjust how to do that. And uh, we made some major changes and we made we shifted um, some focuses in some area, and we we identified some gaps because you got to have fresh eyes on a problem uh, many times to figure out how to fix the problem. If you don't have fresh eyes, you're paralyzed. There's a tweetable phrase. One more. Um, no, seriously, it, fresh eyes on a problem often will help fix the problem because sometimes it's kind of like in my house. Me and Lucretia probably have. Um, marks on the wall. We probably have things that somebody who doesn't live in our house could come in and go, "Hey, why's that hole in the wall? Well, that hole's been in the wall for four years. We we don't we don't even see the hole in the wall anymore." But fresh eyes on a problem um, can help you see it, and once you see it, you can fix it. A lot of people don't like fresh eyes because they're insecure and they don't want to actually deal with what's going on. And so um, I'm telling you, one of the greatest things. And here's what's funny. Uh, Casey doesn't even know I'm talking about this. Um, he, I mean, this was it, it's just one of those things. I don't endorse a product unless I use the product and believe in the product. I would tell people to go to givingrocket.com if you're having struggles in your church finances because those guys are those guys are really helping churches getting it done. Yeah, exceptional, exceptional stuff. So let's take a little shift in the, in the conversation here. So we've been experiencing growth. We know this is the time of year a lot of churches experience growth. So uh, when you're experiencing growth as a church, what's the best thing a church can do to sustain that momentum? Um, momentum is one of those things that God gives you for a certain period of time, and I think you've got to do you got to be responsible. One of the things that we've done as a church is, um, and I, I go over this extensively in the, the coaching network, the, the, the Unleashing Your Leadership Intensive. I kind of walk through the schedules. I kind of walk through some challenges. But the third week in August, well, I'll just use a, um, something coming up. The third week of August through the end of September is a major time for growth in the church. Um, your church is, the numbers are going to go up. I mean, people are coming back. That third week in August, kids are back in school. It's almost like launching the new year again. Um, what I've seen a lot of churches do is they will do like what I call a felt need series, which I'm totally for because um, Jesus preached felt needs, so I think we should too. And please don't send me your email about how Jesus didn't preach felt needs. When you're feeding people that come to your church, that's pretty much felt needs, all right? So I, I think um, that most people will do a felt needs message like third Sunday in August through the end of September. Well, I mean, you, you can do that, and that's great, relationships or whatever, but third week in August through the end of September, you could preach on Leviticus and people would come. Um, I mean, they're, they're going to show up. Usually in October, November, that's when church attendance begins to decline. And it's during October and November, 
you should try to do that marriage series or the single series or the dating series or the you know the the series that's really going to meet people where they are because we've discovered and and I, we've got 13 years of numbers to prove this that you can sustain momentum. You've just got to make the decision as a leader and as a leadership team that you will not surrender one single Sunday. You've got 52 opportunities every single year um, to reach people for Jesus, and you need to make them 52 remarkable opportunities. That's good. Uh, What are some things a church should not do when they're growing, especially if they're growing at a fast pace? I think one of the things um, that a church should not do during a major season of growth. Um, A couple things. Number one, they don't need to run out and hire a bunch of staff members. Um, You can hire people too quickly. Um, And so the hiring process, and Shane, we felt that tension where we'll grow, we'll add several thousand people. The weight on our staff is heavy. The temptation is let's just go out and hire a bunch of people and see which one works. But I've said before, and I stand by this, it's better to have no one in a staff position than the wrong one in that staff position. And so we've got to make sure that we're hiring properly. The second thing I would not do um, is make a, make a decision based on the immediate. For example, oh, my gosh, we're crowded today. Um, we've got to do X, Y, or Z. Um, sometimes you have to make those decisions, but – making major decisions in the middle of a moment, like on a Sunday. One of our rules around here, and we even talked about it this morning, there's nothing wrong on Sunday that you can't fix on Monday. There's nothing wrong on Sunday that you can't fix on Monday. And so understanding that when you're in the immediate, don't make what I call a vision-altering decision in the moment. Do what you got to do. Get to a place where the, you know, nobody's, you know, the, the battle's over. You know, you're on a Monday Sit down, talk about it, and then make a decision. Um, that's good. You mentioned staff staffing. How about this when it comes to growth? Uh, how important is it to protect staff culture and staff health during uh, growth seasons? There are different opinions all over the board on this one. Um, I'll share my opinion, and I'm right. So that, just kind of go ahead and establish that. I think one of the major jobs of a senior leader and a senior leadership team is to protect the culture and protect the health of their staff. And so um, I'm a big proponent. I'll back off. A lot of my friends, a lot of our friends, a lot of people listening to this podcast have a Saturday night service. I think that's great. If God calls you to do a Saturday night service, um, you should do it. I don't want to do a Saturday night service for for. Two main reasons. The second one being um, I'm not missing college football, and, th- and that might be selfish, but, hey, that's just where I'm at right now, and I'm, I, I just need to watch college football. But the primary reason is um, I've, I don't want to sacrifice the staff. Now, let me, let me be very careful here. Um, I believe if people have Saturday services, I don't think they're necessarily sacrificing the staff. But I've seen far too many occasions where people expect the staff to work Monday through Friday – um, and, and then they get a day off. But let's be honest, in a growing church, you don't ever get a day off. Your day off is not your day off. Your day off is you better have your phone with you because we're going to have an emergency and you're going to get a phone call. That's your day off. And then Saturday, if you got to go in for Saturday night, you're not mentally disengaged. I mean, you work all day. And then Sunday, everybody goes, well, they only work half a day. Or you're so exhausted when you go home, you can't really connect with your family. And so if you're going to have a Saturday service, you need to plan 
to let to let your staff get a break during the week. I, and when I say a break, I mean a day off. I mean a day and a half off. Because um, if the church is growing but the staff is dying, that's not a win. That's right. not a win in any way, shape, form, or fashion. And so one of the things we've done at New Spring is we've intentionally decided to shut our office down on Friday. And we're off on Friday and we're off on Saturday because I want the staff to come in rested on Sunday. Now, you know as well as I know, I've told the staff, if you don't come in here ready to play ball on Sunday, that's your fault. I gave you 48 hours to rest. And if you show up tired, I'll break my foot off in your rear end because we don't play that game. You show up ready to work. Sunday is game day, okay? NFL athletes, they can't go out and shoot basketball all night on Saturday night and show up and ready to play. You got to rest, you got to relax, you got to catch your breath, you got to spend time with your family. You got to do something that you enjoy doing so that when we get here on Sunday, we're ready to play. Now there's some exceptions to that. We we do some special services from time to time, Christmas, Easter, that's the Super Bowl. Yep. You do not complain about playing in or preparing for the Super Bowl. But what I'm saying is if you do have a Saturday service, you as the senior leader or the leadership team have to fight hard to protect the culture of your staff. That's your that's one of your top responsibilities. That's really good. What I hear you saying is uh, we we care more about how people are doing than what they're doing. Yep. And you mentioned sowing and reaping earlier. If you sow protecting your staff's health, you will reap staff productivity. And they will get your bite. They will love you. They will absolutely love you if you protect their health. Well, Perry, with that, I think we've kind of worked through today's topic of uh, how to lead during times of growth. But before we sign off, I want to give you a chance to share any final thoughts you might have. Um, You know, John Maxwell says uh, everything rises and falls on leadership. He says it in a much deeper voice. Sounds more like um, Mufasa when he does. But it's true. And so that's one of the major challenges is understanding that leadership is a calling and leadership is a responsibility. And stepping into more responsibility um, isn't always easy. That's why, you know, some people um, back down or back away or some people decide to play it safe. I believe that every church in America, this this is a bold statement, I believe that every church in America is about two or three major um, changes away from doubling in size. Um, now, some church leaders, I know you want to email us and tell us, I'm not interested in doubling in size. Well, if you're not interested in fulfilling the Great Commission, I'm sure you've got plenty of other really important things to do. But I'm telling you, there are leaders out there, and there are two or three major decisions away major changes away from doubling in size. And all of that falls back on leadership. And by the way, if you want to know more about those changes and how to figure out what they are and how to pull the trigger on them, leadership intensive in November. We cover that in an entire session. And I'm telling you, it's one of the most intense things you'll ever sit through, but it'll set your church up and get you ready for success and change. That's about it. That's about it. Hey, that's good. That's a good word. Remember, unleash.cc, where you can find all the information on unleashing your leadership this November. Um, With that, we'll sign off, and we'll see you next month.